love of the game. This is Love Set Match. I mean, Andre Agassi had this goal. You don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe you're more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. As you know, Tennis Pal Chronicles is sponsored by Tennis Pal, which is a great app you can download for Android and iPhone and find people to play with. So download today. If you're a fan of tennis like me, you're going to love this interview. I'm so grateful to rub shoulders virtually with some of the best of tennis through this podcast, and Tori Fretz is no exception. Tori Fretz is a former American amateur and professional tennis player. Now, when I say amateur, what I mean is that she was playing tennis during the amateur days when players were not getting paid, and then it became professional tennis. She was ranked as high as number four in the U.S. and was nationally consistently in the top 10 from 1963 to 1966. Tori was also number two in the United States doubles rankings in 1965 and 66. She was known for her cute pixie style. There's a wonderful picture of her and I'm going to load a video of her walking at Wimbledon with fellow players that I think is just adorable. Tori lived the dream. She shares how she moved from Pennsylvania to Los Angeles to join some of the elite tennis world who were all training in California at the Los Angeles Tennis Club. That club just celebrated its centennial in 2020, a hundred years of great tennis. At the height of this tennis scene, Tori jet set with world-class names like Billie Jean King, Rosie Casals, Dan Smith, Pancho Gonzalez, Charlie Passarells, as well as Hollywood stars like Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., she has some great stories about the infamous Perry T. Jones, the head of the SCTA and USTA, and Jack Kramer. She was right there at the birth of the revolution of women's tennis and explains the pressure she felt to follow the men in charge. These days, she's heading Love and Love Tennis Foundation with Rosie Casals, another tennis legend, and invites you to join her to grow the game with a special focus on bringing tennis to underprivileged kids and sponsor raw tennis talent in kids. You can visit lovelovetennisfoundation.com to donate. It's a fascinating tale of tennis, so let's get started. Please welcome Tori Fretz. I am so honored to welcome Tori Fretz to the Tennis Pal Chronicles podcast. Tori, welcome. Oh, welcome to you, Philip. I'm, I'm anxious to, to do this, and uh, I, I think you're wonderful to, to uh, you know, get the word out to kids about uh, uh, a great career, uh, much greater than mine, that they can have if they get involved with tennis and, and Love and Love Foundation and getting the... Uh, uh, instruction that they need from 
you know, people that can teach them like Rosie and Billy and the people we're going to train to work with them. So, yes, I'm so excited to cover all of that. But first, let's back up and just learn about you, because I feel like we all have so much to learn about Tori Fretz. I just am astounded uh, at how far you got in tennis. And I think people need to hear this story. So can we start at the very beginning? The very beginning, (laughs) <laughs> well, I know you grew up in Pennsylvania, right? Harrisburg, is that right? Harrisburg. And, you know, uh, we have a wonderful new young player named Jennifer Brady out of Harrisburg. And, uh, yes, that's where I started. And uh, basically, other than the Harrisburg Country Club, the high school where I went to, named after William Penn, William Penn High School, only had two courts and uh, they didn't have nets all year round. So we had to just make kind of barriers of our own nets to to uh, even start playing. So uh, not a whole lot of people from Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, going on the tour, even uh, playing the summer tournaments. Uh, uh, that you had to go uh, 100 miles away to Philadelphia where... Uh, the different uh, cricket clubs that uh, still play junior tournaments on grass were. So uh, how I ever got to to play and how I got to play was uh, a lot to do with uh, a wonderful brother, my brother, Lewis, who uh, tried every sport, uh, you know, track and field. He tried everything. He was... Uh, and it, it didn't work, so he said, well, Tori, maybe I can play tennis. So he said, let's let's learn how, we'll get some rackets and learn how to play. And that's that's how it all all happened. That's incredible. So you're, when you started playing, how old were you at that? Well, I remember winning the uh, 15 and under tournament at uh, the shore, which I'm saying the Jersey Shore, down in Ocean City. And so I had to, I think I started playing at 13, uh, thanks to my brother, who was a phenomenon himself in the fact that he was uh, salutatorian at his high school and went on to Princeton, where he uh, was a Phi Beta Kappa, went on to uh, Stanford, where he was a PhD in uh, American Studies, and um, a Danforth Scholar, who eventually went to uh, Hamilton, New Zealand, where uh, Ian Crookenden, uh, one of my uh, mixed doubles uh, partners at the U.S. Open, uh, grew up in. So, oh, wow. Yeah, he was just a fabulous scholar. Uh, but he 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 just you know my here was my father who was uh, played four sports at University of Pennsylvania, captain of the water polo team, who kept thinking, oh my gosh, we've got to work at getting Lou into maybe uh, uh, baseball, or we could you know he had some pull in Philadelphia. He said maybe we can get the Phillies coach to see if he could be a pitcher and if, see if he's got a good arm. But that didn't work either. So 
So you, so you really came from a sports-oriented family. It sounds like everybody was talking sports in the fam. Exactly, especially my father. My father was just wonderful. And I did have a few dates with Richie Ashburn. Hello. <laughs> 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 that that was when, uh, thanks to Billy Jean, um, I was part of the uh, Philadelphia Freedoms. Oh wow! Okay. Yes. Great. Um, so let's see. Uh, you were born in '42, so that would have put you in the mid '50s, uh, 1955, when you were 13 and you started to play tennis. Obviously, the world is in a completely different place right now. I mean, 2020, we're in a pandemic. Oh, you know, <laughs> but, and Philip. But the and world I, has changed in the, so many ways. The world can you, has can changed. You, can you paint a picture for us of what it was like when you were 13? Was was tennis really popular? Uh, all, were a lot of girls playing tennis? Um, explain to us what that world looked like. Not so much the girls. Uh, in fact, uh, I ended up, when I was at William Penn High School, playing on the boys' team. And I got to be number one on the William Penn High School team. And, uh, yeah, not a lot of people playing there, uh, it, even though Harrisburg, as you well know, is our capital. Uh, just unless you had the money, Philip, to belong to uh, the Harrisburg Country Club and had the money to take lessons, you know, it was, uh, you know, not an easy place where you could have lots of kids coming together and, uh, you know, there are not a lot of public courts. So it was really, uh, you know, as I said before, it was my brother who really gave me a leg up. However, um, the public courts that we did have, we could go on at any time, but it just uh, hadn't caught on yet. Uh, you know, baseball, football, track and field, as I said, but no girls, no girls tennis team, just a boys tennis uh, team, and they made an exception for me. And we beat Lancaster, you know, where our uh, soon-to-be president of the United States was uh, Joe Biden, our president-elect, was born in Scranton. Oh, uh, gosh. Yeah, we we uh, played Scranton, Lancaster, all these different uh, uh, cities uh, with uh, – had had some Mennonites. You'd see the horse and buggies. We 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 didn't have a a lot of a lot of uh, support, but you know the courts that we did have, we got on, and it was it was free. Uh, lucky to have a net, but but you just did what you could do. And this was this was. Uh Pennsylvania. So in the there's 50s. winter, there's in the 50s, there's cold. Uh, you must have only played, was it all outdoors? Was there any indoor? No indoor courts in Harrisburg. There were a few indoor courts in Philadelphia. And my mother, once I started uh, playing and uh, on the summers going down to Philadelphia to play in junior uh, tournaments and uh, uh, winning the the uh, middle states uh, eighteen and unders in Philadelphia at the Kinwood Club in Kinwood, Pennsylvania. Um, I would go down to Philadelphia, and they did have a few indoor courts. But I must say, throughout our country now, we have that's the best thing that's happened. We have so many indoor courts, 
And that's why we have wonderful players coming out of the Midwest, as well as, well as just the players from uh, California and Florida. Those were all the, the good juniors came from California and Florida, and maybe one or two from that lived close to Philadelphia where there were some indoor courts. I mean, you just could not play in, in the wintertime. Yeah. And was tennis on television at that time? I mean, who were some of your heroes? Who were you following? Oh, of course, little Mo. Uh, I mean, she was Maureen Conley. We'd just watch her uh, at the Open which was at the West Side Tennis Club. And uh, that's where we played the Open. Uh, I retired before it went to Flushing Meadows. But when um, I got to the finals of the U.S. Open in mixed doubles with wonderful Jerry Perry, uh, our uh, finals were played at the Longwood Cricket Club, the doubles uh, mixed doubles, uh, you know, uh, women's doubles, men's doubles, everything was played at Longwood, and just the singles uh, were played at uh, Westside. And this was before the, the switch, you know. So, uh, uh, as I said, uh, the, the people we watched were mainly uh, when they televised on national television and Sweet Tony Trabert. Uh, would be the MC, and uh, you know we'd get to see uh, Louise Bruff, Althea Gibson at the Marion Cricket Club. I was supposed to play her uh, one day there when I was at the Marion Cricket Club, and we just I just worshipped her. What a wonderful serve volley player, and and of course a little Mo winning all those uh, four uh, major championships when she was 16 years old. But it was not televised like today, Philip, as you well know, with the tennis channel, ESPN, yada, yada. We can watch tournaments 12 months out of the year. Kids can, uh, because of the tennis channel, can uh, log on to uh, getting uh, uh, clinics from some of the best players uh, do these wonderful clinics, and uh, you can watch tournaments around the world all year round. Where, when I was playing, uh, not much happened. You know, after uh, the U.S. Open, they had a uh, a tournament called the Pacific Southwest in Los Angeles, but but that was just one. And uh, now it's an all year round uh, uh, sport, and the kids today have such an advantage. Uh, uh, about that, being able to watch some of the best players in the world. And uh, uh, once we get rid of the COVID, COVID stopped everything in, in its tracks. Sure as did. You know, and uh, but uh, I think when, when we get this beat, there's going to be so many uh, avenues for the, the kids to come in and uh, I remember when I retired playing tennis in uh, 76, because uh, I remember in 74, I got to the 16s at, at Wimbledon. Uh, I played Frankie Dore there, and <laughs> uh, I think the second round, I, I finally won, but that was because she just couldn't. 
there was so much exhaustion on her part. The match went forever, <laughs> and then and so then you beat, outlasted her. Yes, and then beating Wendy Wendy Turnbull. Uh, they are in a match that lasted because of the rain three days. Three days. Oh wow! Played. And she just finally just just <laughs> you know I hung in there. What can I tell you? Three and, and it, it was two sets for three days. It was. It would. It took th- three days. I can't remember at this point whether it was two or three sets. I think it was three sets. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember playing. Uh, there was a wonderful German lady uh, who got to the semis of the French named Helga Schultz, and uh, I remember playing her on court one because she was such a high, highly ranked player. And at that time, court one was attached to center, not like it is today. That it's it's separate. But uh, yeah, I just uh, that was one of the best <laughs> matches I ever played in one six two six three. But I have to admit that was uh, I think she she didn't like playing on the grass after getting to the semis of the <laughs> you know the French Open, and you know it was a little bit of a. Uh, a change, and I don't think she uh, got too much practice before she played me. But whatever, that was one of my my better moments, Philip. Well, I, I'm still stuck on the three days because uh, I think we all talk about John Isner, uh, Nicholas Mahu as the longest uh, game in tennis history, yeah, and probably the, in the Open era. But and that was only three days too, so you, you got them beat right there. And they they played five sets, right? <laughs> and and it was because of them not being able to use the 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 uh, uh, oh what do you call it the uh, tie break. But mine right. was right. just rain, rain, rain. You know, and <laughs> every time we get ready to go out, we play maybe. 20 minutes or so back in again and that went on for three days so yeah wendy wendy was n- not a happy camper but i just i just <laughs> said you know whatever it takes i'm gonna hang in here <laughs> yeah and what what was the camaraderie like or the competition like back then was it would you say it's just always been fierce tennis is you know you, you stay on your side of the track or or do you really feel like people got along a lot better Oh, people, you know, we were a smaller group. We got along a lot better. And, you know, let's face it, uh, the, the prize money was nothing like it is today. Sure. The competition, uh, you know, you could actually uh, get somebody in the first round at Wimbledon that wasn't a top, top player today. Uh, you know, everybody, there are... A thousand people on that, uh, you know, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The uh, uh, what they have of of people that we uh, rank. The ranking Uh we had the top ten people in the world. I mean, just in the top ten from all different parts of of the world. Whereas uh, today. You can have the uh, top ten people from a different country that could probably all get in into Wimbledon. The competition uh, was still very good. I think the, the the greats were still so great, but the amount of people. No, we we didn't. Uh, 
have the competition I think that we have now, but the camaraderie and people were just fabulous. And uh, I know uh, Rosie and I and and Billy, we keep we keep in touch with people that we played with years ago, all over the world, and we're we're very good friends. And uh, you know, it's just one of the things about having more competition, and you're all fighting for for the money and for for the in today's tennis it's it's the uh also the uh uh deals you get with uh you know making commercials and and sure, that type the, of thing that the business supplements, side of the sport uh yeah right. the amount the amount that you make uh just from your uh actual playing you know so uh you know like Maria Sharapova and one of the you know, best players in the world. I mean, she went on to have some wonderful uh, business deals with her candy and all all certain things. And right. uh, yeah, so uh, you know, it's 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 just a different different uh, atmosphere now than it. Not that people uh, still don't have good friendships, but we were. I mean, you could walk into the uh, uh, dressing room and just. You know, everybody would talk to one another. We had Yvonne Gulagong, who uh, was just singing in the, you know, uh, uh, ladies' room in the changing room, <laughs> and was such a such a lovely lady. And I remember Billy coming and said, "Oh, she's always happy. She's always happy. She's always," I, you know. <laughs> we were laughing. We said, "What? What is she on?" And she was just a happy person and we had some wonderful wonderful players and uh and we still get along and i wish that were the the fact now so uh anyway yeah, yeah there's I've, an there's an interesting dynamic now in tennis where like at the junior level uh the parents are involved and there's so much competition and and uh there's even a problem with cheating and line calling and all of that kind of stuff it it feels like it would have been different back then. Maybe I'm just being uh, nostalgic and ideal, but uh, that's what I was thinking. Oh, Philip, no, absolutely, that's what happens. I mean, uh, before my accident in 2008, uh, I was teaching uh, at the Palm Desert Resort Country Club with uh, uh, Jackie Cooper, uh, a very good friend of Billy's and Rosie's and I, and... We just would go out with the kids, and he just de devoted his whole whole Palm Desert Resort Country Club uh, to, uh, you know, the kids, and uh, especially after hours and going out with working with them. And uh, it, it, it was so great, but he would say, you've got to be a good sport. And uh, Lorne Kuehl, who you probably remember was Bobby Riggs's henchman, uh, had a lot to do with us. Uh, Lorne and I uh, got together and did some uh, kids' tournaments called the Fair Play. And because Jackie was said, we've got to have kids being good sports. I won't have it. If you win the game because you gave a bad call, no, that doesn't, to me, that doesn't mean anything. You've got to 
you know, and I wish more of that was around, but sometimes you have uh, parents pushing the kids and they're maybe afraid to, to tell the parents that they lost or the score, yada, yada, and that encourages that behavior. You should just, uh, I wish there were more of that Jackie Cooper fair play around to just go out and do your best. And uh, I know we try and to uh, tell the kids when we're teaching, just do your best, and that's all you can do, and keep working and working, and uh, that's the important thing because not wow, everybody, Philip, can be uh, a top-ranked player or get, get to play professional tennis, especially uh, with with so many people playing today and the yeah. money so good and the competition just so heavy. But we've got to bring that back to, to, to have them be good sports and teach the character uh, for our young kids. Yeah, it's one of the greatest aspects of tennis is that it really is a mental challenge just as much as it is a physical challenge. Exactly. And, uh, and just uh, being able to control your mind, body, and emotions, uh, I think, is so helpful for children and and uh, adults, uh, people of all ages. <laughs> there's there's definitely a lot of cheating going on in my community court. <laughs> oh, and you know, you know, I'm sorry Phillip, to say, <laughs> you know, whenever you can you can speak to them and you you i mean i'm just falling in love with your personality and your your the way that you look at things and just go out have fun uh like our charities to going to try and get as many kids playing as we can That's and right. having fun with this sport keeping them off the streets keeping them away from the drugs being positive about life because uh, it teaches it teaches character, it and really does. Uh, I know when I uh, quit playing and uh, started to work for David May, I think you being up in the L.A. area, remember the May Company, which then yes. became Robinson's May, which right. then became Macy's. Right. And I would go over to David's house at 712 North Cannon Drive in Beverly Hills, directly across from um, uh, Kirk Douglas and Ann Douglas's house. But he had a wonderful court in the backyard, and he would have me come up five days a week to teach, to teach his kids. And they, they uh, all were girls. Oh, One wow. of them, Kathy May. And Kathy May became a top 20 player in the world. And David uh, had Tony Trabert up about a couple times a week to watch me uh, play with Kathy. And uh, he would coach. I mean, it was just something, you know, absolutely wonderful. But uh, you you had to have the money to do that. But when when well, to have a court in your backyard, yeah, that, have that a helps court too. in your backyard. But he was so sweet. He let me use that backyard uh, to teach other kids. And then, uh, shortly before, I guess uh, it was around in the seventies. He decided he owned property with Metropolitan Life at the La Brea Tar Pits, third in La Brea. And he told, he told uh, the May Company Realty that he was going to build a tennis facility, 17 courts, 
and wow. they were going to be able to be uh, rented out. You didn't have to become a member and pay a big, join a membership. You could become a member for $30 and be able to rent courts, 17 courts, and let the kids, he said, play free right after school till about 7 o'clock when our other adult members would get out of work and then want to, uh, you know, we had all the courts lit and a little uh, uh, snack bar and a pro shop there. And that's when our, our adult uh, people would come to rent courts. But we gave the kids from like 3.30 or 4 o'clock to 7, we gave them free time. Wow, and that's so great. Yes, and uh, wonderful Carl Earn, you know, uh, who's a friend of David's there. Uh, he just had... Uh, he he had uh, all the the uh, wonderful people that went to Hillcrest Country Club, and uh, all the movie stars from Sidney uh, Poitier to James Bond uh, to uh, uh, Twiggy, and uh, oh, we had everybody, and wow. uh, yeah, and it was it was wonderful, and and the kids, and unfortunately. He passed away at 80 of a heart attack, and six months later, the courts, well, I don't know if it was six months, but it was not too long after, the courts were dug up, and of course, they put in a shopping center, which yeah, made more course. money, because we didn't of make, we, we did not make enough money, and sure. that's why to get tennis back going again, we need... Uh, more help with facilities that donate different hours or whatever to the kids to come. And like part of our charity, I'm sure is going to be or has been, you know, training people to to teach uh, uh, the kids, you know, the basics just to get them in. And uh, so that all kids have a chance. And then the ones that show special talent, of course, um, Billy and Rosie, you know, we, we look at them, we say, oh, my God, this kid's got talent. We'll take them up. We'll call Torrance, where the USTA, you know, has a, a Training facility, center, sure. just like mm-hmm. they do in, uh, in Florida. And uh, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, and, and tell the USTA, now, what else can you do about, you know, and then take it to the next level? You know, yeah. so so that we can work with kids that have special abilities, the kids that just want to learn and have a wonderful time, and we're able to help more people playing this game. Right. So let me just go back because you had mentioned Los Angeles, and uh, you came to Los Angeles. I guess you played for Occidental College. He, um, uh, is that right? You know, right? <laughs> Philip, we didn't have a team. I remember I went to to to, to Occidental College because. It was a half an hour from the, uh, well, half an hour from the L.A. Tennis Club where uh, they gave me a junior membership there. And for all the kids that had a ranking, they gave a membership there. Uh, I was looking at Pomona uh, uh, where I could have gone, but Pomona was, was out in the desert. And uh, there was we didn't have a team, but I... Uh, pay my own expenses to go to Washington. Uh, I think it was Washington uh, University. Isn't that uh, back east? Yeah, Washington University. They had the intercollegiates. And I went and I won the singles and doubles 
with uh, a gal from Yakima, Washington. So that was, I think, around 1961. And right. Then, so, I um, mean, this is a, I, I got to brag on you just a little bit here. I, I think we're <laughs> missing, a, missing a really big point. You won singles and doubles titles at the NCAA Intercollegiate Championship. Right. That, that's, and that's it was huge. in Washington. Uh, it was, I think, in St. Louis, Philip, and you'll have to help me with my memory. Was it Washington, Uni- Washington University? Or you'll probably have to look that up. But it was, I think, in St. Louis. And that's where they held the NCAAs, yes. And uh, also, I think one of the, and you'll appreciate this, in 1967, <laughs> I went back to Salem, uh, you know, the witch, witch, uh, witch's place. <laughs> back east. And I, I had a... A friend I used to to hit with Ephraim Zimbalist a little bit, and his son was at Harvard at the time, and he uh, met me back there when I was uh, playing in this tournament at Salem. And uh, Billy and Rosie and Kathy Harder and Marion Eisel, everybody was in that tournament, and it was indoors on a hard court. And uh, would you believe I won it? I played Marianne Eisel, who, well, other people knocked off (laughs) Rosie and Billy for for me, (laughs) you know, and Marianne then probably was worn out when she got me in the final. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that that was fun. A a lady named Kathy Harder, who played with uh, Kathy Blake, who was the mother of uh, uh, the twins, who were the best, Bob and his brother. What are the, you know, the twins who were number one in doubles in the world? Oh, the Bryan brothers. Yeah, yeah, the Bryan brothers. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Kathy, uh, yeah, Kathy Blake, that was her name. She played doubles with Kathy Harder. But anyway, she she married Wayne Bryant. That's right. And, and they had the two boys, the two twins. And I saw them they, when they were just maybe 13, 14 up there at UCLA helping with the clinic. <laughs> and I thought, oh, these kids are so good. And one was left-handed, one was right. And I mean, who would have known they go on to be the best doubles players in his, one of the in, tops in history? In history. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So tennis definitely was running in their family. You you brought up the LA Tennis Club, and that's especially important because this year they're actually celebrating their centennial anniversary. It turned 100 years old. Oh. So uh, I would love to hear some stories about the LA Tennis Club because you were there. Oh, was I there? And, of course, I was there <laughs> when, when uh, you know, Rosie and Billy uh, uh, played out uh, on the center court in that famous match. And I'll tell you about that. Um, let me first start out by telling you that the, the, the L.A. Tennis Club was so good to me to let me play there uh, as, as a junior throughout my career, not, you know, making it, uh, you know, the membership so formidable I wouldn't have been able to play uh, when I was at Occidental or when I uh, came home and was able to practice there. And uh, Perry T. Jones had his office there. He was the head of the Southern California Tennis Association. And uh, 
he was he was a tough one. He he named who what kids could go back east to play, and they had to be pretty pretty good players. I mean, uh, to be able to go back, he had to give the go ahead so that they would you know be able to get the expenses. But everybody there helped. Uh, you would go, go th- through the front door. You'd see Pancho Gonzalez and Pancho Segura, Alex Olmedo, who just passed away a week and a half ago. Uh, they would be there uh, playing tennis and giving their expertise. And, of course, USC, uh, under George, their coach, George Tolley, coached the USC team there. And because at the time, USC didn't have their own courts. So they played all their matches with other colleges at the L.A. Tennis Club. So you'd have Denny Ralston, Bob Lutz. uh, I mean, you had everybody there. And I'll never forget Louise Bruff, who would uh, uh, go out. And when I was uh, 19 years old, she'd see, she said, would you like to, to play a game would you like to play some sets? And I said, oh, would I like? Oh, I mean, they they were just so uh, outpouring with all of the help. And uh, and, and Pancho even, uh, Gonzalez took me out, as did Segura over at the Beverly Hills Tennis Club. But wow. the L.A. Tennis Club was just flooded with great players. And, uh, you know, of course, during the... Uh, when Alice Marble, who taught uh, uh, Billy and I, uh, she was uh, there all the time as she was uh, quite uh, friendly, I think, with Clark Gable, Carol Lombard. And Clark Gable would be over there for the Pacific Southwest and half a Hollywood was there. My gosh, that's incredible. But, uh, and then when uh, Billy and and Rosie... uh, God love you. Uh, love them. We're playing that that match, and uh, Jack Kramer was there, and I was in the, the stands watching. And you know, it was uh, the women standing up for uh, you know what was right, and uh, it was quite an event. And yeah. So, so I, I don't know what you mean. Can you explain it just a little bit more, especially for anyone who doesn't know what was happening during that time? Well, um, as you well know, uh, uh, we were fighting for equal prize money at the time, equal everything with, with the men. Yep. And uh, it was it, it, it took many, many years. It uh, Billy... Uh, and Rosie did a, a great, a great thing. And uh, uh, Billy has always fought uh, for equal, you know, prize money for, you know, in any sport. And for, and it's gone way beyond tennis nowadays, but for equal pay for an equal day's work, whether it's a man or a woman. And that all took place at, at you know, at the LA Tennis Club, yes, there was a lot of yes. that. Wow! So it was yeah. kind of born out of out of the LATC. Yeah, yeah. Wow! Oh, and what okay. a what a what a great great place. You probably I'm still they gave me a, a membership still there, and I go up because there's so many of my old friends. What the ones that are alive? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I go up and see it. I mean, they've uh, renovated it. 
uh, to the point where, I mean, it's just so beautiful, but, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing place, but oh, for the days when you could go in there as a kid, I mean, uh, and just look up on the walls and see uh, Dennis Ralston's picture and Darlene Hard's picture and Gonzalez and Almedo and all the great, great old, uh, you know, I mean, it was just wonderful. It was just, just wonderful. So in a lot of ways, a lot of uh, top juniors, they'll go to Florida to get great competition or they'll even go to Spain and train in Spain. Oh, um, yes. Back in, the, back in the 50s, it was Los Angeles. This okay. was the hub of competition for exactly. people who wanted to play tennis. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, wow. Spain is, they're, they're d- doing great things. Even I have a, uh, a friend's uh, son went over to Croatia uh, a couple months ago uh, uh, he saved up his money uh, teaching, and he, he went over to to uh, uh, an academy over there for about three weeks, uh, indoors, of course, in Croatia, and uh, at this time of the year. But uh, yeah, I mean, L.A. Tennis Club was the hubbub there, and uh, that's great. Yeah, wow. and we need more of those, more, you know, more and more places that uh, like that that uh you know love the game and are willing to uh have the kids out there and and uh you know an LA uh, tennis clubs uh membership always supported them I, w- I will say that they always Richie Ralphs and everybody they all supported uh the kids and and uh those I, I always feel like Yes. Leadership is top down, and so was it Perry T. Jones? Even though you mentioned him as being kind of hard, was it his leadership that developed this incredible pod of tennis in Los Angeles? Because how how did it form? How did it uh, exist? Well, he he had his office there, yeah. and of course, uh, it then got moved to UCLA. Right. Uh, yeah, I think he he uh, he did. It was um, a little difficult sometimes, Philip, to to get in his favor, but he did create the interest with the, the, the especially the the better kids like uh, you know Rosie and and uh, Sharon Walsh and and all these uh, different other players at the time to to get going. Uh, and my per- guess is he also attracted like the top coaches in the area as well, right? Uh, oh, at, well, absolutely, George Tolley, and and of course, uh, Segura, and and uh, yeah, was, was had, Vic Vic Braden there during that time? Uh, no, Vic Vic had his own uh, school. Okay, and I don't know Philip if you know he passed away about six years ago. But he had a wonderful school, and he was a PhD in clinical psychology. And his his reasoning, his theory, was that if you teach all of the people uh, a certain way to teach, you know, don't get them one teaching the Western grip or one the Continental grip or one the Eastern grip to hit a forehead, you know, kind of uh, teach all kind of the same way. You know, even though the game today has changed so much, 
from when we played serve and volley and and lots of times the, the kids had a continental forehand because it was you know you volleyed more on on grass but yeah. uh and then when you change the surface you change the type of play and 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 the way people hold a racket and they want to put more topspin on it and it's tougher to get the low ball that would be on a grass court but god you can hit, do lots of things with a higher ball and kick it over somebody's head. So as time goes along, everything evolves, whether it's playing tennis, teaching tennis, yada, yada. But uh, I, w- I would just love to see uh, more, more academies and more, more places where they're, uh, well, Chris has got her place in... Uh, Chris Everett. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what she did, she has a private academy, but might have had... Uh, the USTA, uh, they they split the uh, place. I think her private place and the UST on the other side because, you know, expenses for expenses and whatever that they had to do. But we need more of these compounds for the better players, and then also the the, the clubs in the uh, uh, public uh, uh, courts too. Uh, for the kids just coming up that want to play tennis, that we want them to be able to play throughout their lives. They might not become professional tennis players, but uh, you know what they could get is a college education. And that's another thing. Uh, If you play well enough and you've got a national ranking as a junior, you can get into a good school on a tennis scholarship uh, women and men, which is, you know, thanks to the old lady on that When you, women and men, you can, yeah. you can, you have that. Right. And tell, uh, tell us, uh, one or two stories about, uh, some, some famous, uh, tennis players or even famous movie stars you got to play with at the, at the LATC oh, back the in LATC. the day. Oh God. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, of course, Ephraim, who, who we became very good friends and then even put me <laughs> in one of, he he did a, a, a series called The FBI. He put me in one of the the uh, episodes and we have a tennis scene in it. And uh, I should have known better. This was my, I, I shouldn't have let them do this. They started us from the ad court and uh, playing a match and, and, we had people write in. You said, "How can you start fifteen love?" You know, and but anyway, <laughs> it was fun. No, we did have a, a lot of uh, great people there, and as I said, uh, you know, the the two ponchos and Gene Mako and and uh, Wilson Sporting Goods was so good. We had Joe Bixler there, and uh, it, it was just it was it was terrific. It, was, it, was Stan Smith a part of that group? Stan was, started at 16, quit basketball. He was SC. He was in there playing with Bob Lutz uh, and uh, Raul Ramirez. Uh, the, uh, oh my God, it's, 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 his name is, is going by me now, but he, he didn't go to SC. He went to Stanford the lefty that got to the finals of Wimbledon. And uh, uh, he played sometimes at, at the L.A. Tennis Club, just in matches, so he went to Stanford. But SC had 
so many uh, wonderful players because of, of SC, and they usually would come, Philip, and they would either go to, to, you know, when they came out to California to go college, they would either be at, at SC or UCLA. I mean, UCLA had Arthur Ashe, Charlie Passarell, and Jimmy Connors. And uh, But those boys usually went over to Segura's place, which the Beverly Hills Tennis Club, and he, he, he was very good having Jimmy over and working with him and, and uh, you know, everybody that was connected with uh, UCLA Connors, and it was, it was quite something. And, and how is Jack Kramer connected to this scene? Well, Jack Kramer was, of course, started the sporting good, you know, Jack Kramer, and he was kind of uh, the U.S. head of the USTA. And uh, as, as you well know, uh, you know, before we got into professional tennis, you know, in, in, instead of just playing for uh, cups and, and whatever, uh, uh, a lot of the guys got uh, labeled as, uh, you know, just play boys and because they weren't making any money. And so we needed to t- take it into professional sports and right. we needed to get paid. So finally, after you can go back and go through the history of when professional uh, sports started and you all know we all know from watching uh, uh, the movie uh, Billie Jean's movie uh, that Rosie's in about how oh, Battle of the Sexes yeah the Virginia uh-huh. Slims I mean right. I I remember being told uh, when um, of course I was a very good friend of Julie Heldman's and we were number two in the United States in doubles one time, but Gladys was very, very bright. She had the uh, World World Tennis Magazine, and when uh, a Billy proposed, you know, and this was after what happened at the LA Tennis Club, you know, w- w- we deserved the money. You know, we deserve to make make money, and uh, uh, that's how the Virginia Slim started. Uh, uh, Gladys was uh, friends with Joe Coleman, who worked for Philip Morris, and that's how it all started. But at the time, we were under the umbrella of the USTA, and I remember them coming to me and a, a fair amount of the girls and saying, if you want to still play um, after this Virginia Slims uh, thing, this rebellion, as, as they called it, uh, uh, breaks up, if you want to still have a place to stay, you better not go out for this and join this Virginia Slims. And uh, It was kind of a threat, really. A threat. So yeah. at the time, I thought, my God, I, I'm, I'm still in school. Do I need to stay another, you know, because I only went three years to Occidental. I didn't finish my fourth. My brother kept saying... You know, in case this tennis thing doesn't go through, you're going to have to earn a living, Tori, and you better complete your education, decide if you want to teach teach school, whatever you want to do. You've got to complete right. your education. 
And uh, they scared quite a few of us. I mean, there was Chris, there was uh, Gulagong, there was quite a few of us. Uh, and, and Sharon Walsh, who was playing at the time from Northern California, there were quite a few just were scared. And the, the nine, the wonderful nine that, that, uh, that took the uh, dollar and it all worked out through a lot of hard work and whatever, I mean, uh, we're so proud of them that it worked out. But yeah, yeah, it was a threat. Wow. Yeah. So, so that's why you're not part of the original nine. Well, uh, and a lot—not just me, but uh, a lot of other so many, people. So they, many, so many. Yeah, yeah, they were. Fu- it was. It was very uphill battle. And right. I remember one time I was practicing for the Pacific Southwest, and uh, I was hitting with a an Australian girl named Judy Taggart. Uh, and uh, she was a wonderful girl, great sense of humor. And I was out there all in white, Philip, but I was in a pair of shorts. And instead of a skirt, you mean? Yes. Uh huh. And Perry T walks up, okay, in front of every, you will not be allowed on my center court. Wow. Wow. Because you're not wearing a skirt. Not wearing a skirt. And you know, wow. before that, I had won, was in the finals of the Southern California Tennis Association Women's Final for the, wow. for the thing. At, on the center court, playing another, remember Dodo Cheney? I, I know the name. Well, my God, she, she, <laughs> she was something else. Great, from a great old tennis family, one of the all-time greats, but, but a real character. And I was out there, I remember, uh, and we had to fight like the Dickens. She's probably 20 years older than all of us, but she, she could she play and smart? But she had tricks up her sleeve, Philip. I'll tell you, some <laughs> casino people didn't know. And I was out there, and I remember I, I won the first set, Six four, and then I'm uh, uh, the next game. I remember we were changing sides, and all of a sudden she came over to to, to her chair and picked up her rackets and her purse and said, "Thank you very much." And it was like I think it was the second game of the second set, and walked off the court. <laughs> <laughs> She's the first Nick Curios. Oh my God! I mean, but 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 no one. I mean, Nick is a great character. Yeah, he's no so fun. one could make that up. I mean, wow. And the things that went on in that club. I mean, Bobby, what 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 he would do, Riggs, Bobby Riggs, of, yeah. Oh my God, he would come in, and we had some pretty good four four five five zero men's doubles players, and he would come in, and he'd say. Okay, give me your worst player. I'll take them, and you take your best player, and I'll and and I'll beat you. Well, of course, <laughs> you know what? He throws the first set, right? Then he brings them all to the net. How about putting another five thousand on this? <laughs> and He's of course, they never they never get He's another a... game. <laughs> I mean, That's and that incredible. was going on in the backgammon room and and all over. And then, 
I will never forget when one of our 80-year-old members is in the men's room and Bob Hewitt, do you remember Bob Hewitt? He was a wonderful South African player, but I think he's in jail right now. He's a bad guy a little bit, but a wonderful tennis player from South Africa. Wonderful. And he used to play with Fru McMillan, and they were, I think, one or two in the world in doubles. And he was also not a bad singles player himself, but he, but he could, he could uh, rub people the wrong way. Well, this 80-year-old guy was hidden out in the men's locker room. And Bob walks in, <laughs> and this guy, the old guy, call, cold cocks him, and they had to have an ambulance come and take him away. Wow. Wow, wow that's, that's drama. Right. I mean, this, this club, I'll tell you, it's got a lot of history. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of history. I wish I could go to the club with you with a camera and just have you walk around and point uh, places out to me because that would just be so epic. Well, but I'll tell I think you it'd go what. viral on YouTube. <laughs> well, you know what, Philip, what we'll do is I don't, especially right now, I don't get up to LA that that often, but I, I do have a doctor up there that I go up to see every once in a while. I'd love to have you join uh, uh, me and a friend for... Uh, me and Iris join us for lunch at the club, and we will just—I will point things out. They look that would be so great. We will. I, would love that. I mean, yeah. it's just just to be in that place again. Although there are lots of lots of things I don't uh, recognize anymore. They've changed. There are no seats in the center court anymore. They've done, they put a bar up on one side and they put some clay courts in and some pickleball courts, but basically it's the same thing. You'll, uh, they put back all the wonderful pictures and I do have uh, uh, something that they sent me on the, by the, 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 uh, uh, Celebration that they have. And I will, it's been written by a couple historians. I will bring that along and give it to you. Oh my gosh, that would be incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. So my sense is I didn't have a, uh, I I didn't know this before, but really the USTA or the SCTA was was kind of a power against women having their own tournaments and getting paid. Um. Well, it was be- be- before. It was it was before. You know, we got good enough, and and Billy had the idea, and we got good enough, and we were starting to get uh, more and more people watching women's tennis. Sure. And uh, it just it just evolved, evolved, and then it it became a movement. It became yeah. a movement, and uh, she got a movement going along, and then with Virginia Slims, it, it became a movement. And uh, look what's happened. I mean, and, and now it's now the movement has gone far beyond tennis, and uh, we got to keep it going. And uh, it's just uh, wonderful to have people like you that are interested in... in uh, you know, knowing how this all came about, and uh, yeah, I'm learning so much from this conversation. Thank you so much oh, for your time. Oh, and Philip, I incredible. can't wait to to meet with you and go to the LA <laughs> Tennis Club and have lunch. 
Well, I mean, your accolades are pretty impressive. Uh, you are world number four in singles, world number two in doubles. Well, uh, Philip, Philip, uh, USA, I was number four. And I'll tell you who, Billy was one. Yep. Nancy Ritchie uh, Gunter, but now she's just Nancy Ritchie, was two. Rosie was three. I was four. And a lady named Mary and uh, Eisel Curtis. I don't know whether she calls herself just Mary and Curtis. If she kept, she's not uh, married to Peter. Peter was an English player, English Davis Cupper, but they were divorced a long time ago. I don't know whether she keeps her maiden name, Mary Ann Eisel, or not, but it was the United States. And uh, but I, I will say the United States had a has uh, always had wonderful players, uh, women and men, is, along with Australia. And but now the Eastern, as I said, Eastern European countries, along in Russia. I mean, everybody's a part of it now. And uh, yeah, and we'll when when we have lunch, maybe we can go over a lot more of this too. That sounds great. Okay. Sounds great. Well, let's just talk a little bit about your game because uh, I, I'm interested to hear what was your strength and weakness in tennis. Uh, obviously, you're a tall cup of water, so <laughs> you must have had a good serve. Well, uh, it's a bit fairly good serve, but but uh, I like to volley, um, and uh, actually, my my results, like I said, were better on on grass. And I like to play doubles because I like to volley. And I was very uh, uh, lucky to have uh, Nancy Ritchie one year as a partner and Julie Heldman. Uh, Stephanie uh, DeFinna, I guess her married name is now Stephanie Hagen. And uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it was a wonderful, wonderful, uh, I would never take, a vocation. It was. I would never take uh, my tennis career. Decide to do something else, or you know, I just loved it. I I went all over the world, met the best people in the world, learned so much, and I played at a time where uh, we we've all maintained a lot of our uh, friendships that we had, and uh, that that's what uh, you know is the main thing to me now, you know, it means so much to me now. When I look back at the pictures from uh, your early days, uh, I noticed that you had a really cute pixie haircut. Oh. And I, I got to think that that was a little bit unusual for that time. And uh, how did that come about for you? Well, I'll tell you, real, guess who one of our sponsors was in New York? Avon. Oh, okay. Avon, you know, Gladys Heldman got a great sponsor, Avon. And they came into New York, and it's the best cut I've ever had. And when I, when I talk to the person who's cutting my hair now, I show them, I said, why can't you do it like this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because it just comes back around, right? I mean, it looks so cute. And then oh. that... That that haircut in the '60s was really popular with Twiggy and all, right? And uh, and so and fun. you know we had, and we can never forget this guy, uh, Ted Tinling. 
And I've still got a video of, of him uh, uh, with, uh, with all of the, the women there at Wimbledon in their dresses. Maria Bueno, uh, he made a dress for me uh, with, uh, in white satin, at least the, the uh, skirt part, white satin with my name, Tori, on it. I mean, and, and the outfits he did for Billy and Rosie, un, un, unbelievable. There was no one like Ted. Anyway, um, you, you, at some point, I am going to get that video out and show. He made the best, best clothes, but he had a, his arch rival was, uh, oh my God, uh, uh, oh, Fred Perry. Ah. He kept saying, Fred Perry only makes rags. I make dresses. <laughs> <laughs> There's I mean, actually the a guy was about 6'5", and he wore these square shoes, patent leather shoes. I mean, what a, what a character. You'll, I will have to look for this video. Yeah, I, I think I'm looking at it right now. It's actually called Wimbledon Fashion Preview, and I see he's like much taller than all of you. Uh, and uh, he has bald head. Yes. And, yes. You uh -huh. know, and he was so renowned throughout the world. And I'll tell you, we'll end on a funny note. I was in Houston, and um, Gladys was throwing a big party for Ted at her beautiful home in Houston. And he was in, if you can imagine, a white uh, formal outfit, white patent leather shoes, <laughs> and and we were we were. I mean, there were there had to be uh, at least sixty or seventy people in that house, at least. Wow. wow! And it was kind of buffet, Philip. And he was sitting on a sofa. And a friend of mine was sitting on the same sofa. And I went to get some uh, fruit cocktail. <laughs> and I was getting back into my seat. And this girl moved her foot. And guess where the fruit cocktail went? Oh, no, not on Ted. On Ted. And this was his big <laughs> night. In a white suit. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I I wanted to. There would there there wasn't a hole to be found for me to hide in. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah. my gosh! There, well, hopefully, got it off really quickly. No. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! And 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 he just uh, oh god! You know, I I was so lucky that uh, oh that Gladys didn't did, did you know she. She uh, grabbed him right away, took him to the to the uh, a bedroom where he could change. But oh God, oh Philip, that <laughs> that was a sight to behold. On I his love hearing outfit. that story. That's so oh, great. Oh God. Well, I'm going to share this video on my blog with this podcast because it's so precious, and it uh, it says it was held at Derry and Tom's Roof Garden in Kensington. That's right. Uh, and That's uh, right. seven women walking towards the camera: uh, Kathy Blake, Ingrid Lowy, Luftdahl. Uh, now the Ingrid Benser, uh, uh, Ingrid Luftdahl Benser, who is a very good friend of ours from Sweden. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh, Francois Durr. Fran Frankie. Frankie. Uh, Patty Hogan. Oh, Patty Hogan. Yes. 
<laughs> and uh, Stephanie Defina. And Stephanie Defina. Yes. And, and and of course, Tori Fretz. Oh God. So. <laughs> oh God. Those. those what a life you've days. had, Tori. What a those life you've had. Those were the days. So as you know, Tennis Pal Chronicles is sponsored by Tennis Pal, which is a great app you can download for any Android or iPhone, and you can find people to play tennis with. I am excited to let you know about a cool new feature on the Tennis Pal app. In the new version of the app, there's a new feature called Broadcast. Let's say you're looking for someone to play with in your area. Now, when you do a Find Pal search, you can tap the broadcast icon on the bottom right side and write a custom message to broadcast to that list. For instance, you can message, I'll be playing at downtown courts until 8 p.m. tomorrow, and the broadcast will be shown to everyone in your search list at the top of the moments feed for the next 48 hours. They can easily see your broadcast message and start a chat with someone with quick replies and confirm a hitting time. Love Tennis Pal, the app. You guys got to go get it. 